Blog Talk Radio. like to tell their story on the broadcast. 
Now, if you would like to be interviewed on our show, please contact me at a word from God three at aol dot com, or you can see our pricing information on our website at a word from God dot webs dot com, and then go to our ad and our advertisement cost page to see our costs for the broadcast. Also, please visit uh, my many different affiliate links and blogs found on my blogtalkradio.com page. Now, please check out one of these blogs on the page. It's called No Blood Pressure Meds After 11 Years. Blogspot.com. Again, that's No Blood Pressure Meds After 11 Years. Blogspot.com. And this blog blog talks about health and wellness issues, uh, how to change your eating lifestyle, exercising. It talks about high blood pressure, diabetes, and so much more that concerns uh, our health. And I also ask that you would please go to the marketinfo1.blogspot.com. And on this blog, you will find other great and interesting subjects and it's going to lead you to other blogs and other links and other sites. Uh, there's a lot of info on both of these blogs. So uh, check them out. Now, also, many of you know uh, that I do have a Sunday night show uh, here on um, uh, blogtalkradio.com. Uh, it starts every Sunday night at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. And on this show, uh, I share great gospel music, and, of course, I do give you a word from God that is designed especially for you. And last but not least, I do ask you to check out my uh, particular business. Uh, Many of you know I own a clothing uh, company, and it is called Lady Be Lovely Fashions. For all of your clothing needs, check us out. All of our clothes and all of our jewelry are fabulous, and they are affordable. Our website address is ladybelovelyfashions.net. Well, uh, we only do an hour show on Wednesday, so we're going to go ahead and get started, and we're going to talk a little business on today. Now, uh, on this particular show today, I am going to be uh, giving you or talking about eight questions to ask before incorporating your business partnership. Many times, many people um, would like to go into business, but they don't know, you know, they don't have the confidence or the courage to do it on their on their own. So um, uh, many times they look for a partner to go into business for them. So I'm going to give you eight questions to ask before incorporating your business partnership. And uh, take a look at these. Uh, I did get this particular article um, from a Mr. John Gerber, who is the founder of UpstartLegal.com. And so we're going to go ahead and just get started with this article and I pray that uh, you will get something out of this. Also, I ask that um, whatever you can't get here live as far as trying to keep up with me live, 
uh, just go back into my archives probably like 10 minutes after the show is over and uh, the show, this particular show will repeat as well as you can listen to some of my other shows, business shows and uh, my ministry shows as well. So let's get started. Now, given the unstable job market and the risk of going it alone, many people are currently seeking to start businesses together. The rub, however, is that starting a partnership can be very challenging, says Ibong Eka, a CPA, who also pins his own blog about the world of entrepreneurship at moneymentoringminutes.com. It has often been been said that the only ship that won't sail is a partnership. Now, many new entrepreneurs fall in love with the business idea but fail because of the lack of execution and because of the responsibilities of the partners aren't clearly laid out before starting. So in other words, before you can even get to the stage where you want to make your partnership official, you have some work to do in building the foundation (coughs) for your shared business. You want to make sure that whoever you do go into partnership with, that this is someone that you trust, someone that you know, someone that has a good business background, or maybe they have a good, strong financial background, and each of you as a partner should sit down beforehand before you do anything and talk and just decide who's going to do what and how you're going to do it. So um, Mr. Gerber, he suggests asking yourself the following eight questions before going into partnership with someone else. So number one, are you good partners? Now, in any new business, but especially in a small company run by the partners, everyone is going to be stretched in terms of time and capability. The business needs a mix of talent from a small number of individuals to cover a large variety of work, such as management, finance, creativity, technology, and etc. The balance is in finding partners who can work together to deliver a great service or product, like maybe you're doing a creative design business or having a creative design team while also ensuring that someone is willing and able to manage the finances or reboot the computers. So everyone should have a special talent. Now your partner could be one partner or it could be two partners or you can have several partners because you just might need someone who's very, very creative, someone who can handle advertisements someone who's very good in uh, finances. Also, you need someone that can sell the product, someone that can manage, do the, uh, be the overseer or the overall, um, uh, like an office manager or 
or a person that uh, is in charge, making sure that everything about this business is running smoothly. You want to make sure that whoever you're dealing with, I mean, in any type of partnership, no matter what it is, you're going to have some uh, some problems and some situations uh, to come up. Uh, like with all marriages, it's better to size up your partner before you commit. So here are three ways to evaluate your potential business partner. There are three ways to evaluate your potential business partner. Uh, Number one, go to lunch. And in going to lunch, watch how your potential partner treats your server. And And then you will have a good idea of how he or she will treat your employees. Now, you might be one that uh, really is a great, you're a great people person, but this other person, the one that you're looking for as an employer, I mean, I'm sorry, as a partner, may not be a great people person. They might be rough with people. They might talk uh, kind of down to people. Now, if you're in a, um, like a service-type business, you want you, you and your partner to be on the same ship. You want you want, you want to see eye to eye with each other. You don't want to uh, treat the employees one way and have your partner uh, treat the employees another way because it's going to cause a lot of problems. So anyone that you're considering going into partnership with, go to lunch with them and just see how they treat your server or, you know, how they treat people in general. Uh, Number two, compare your numbers. Ask your potential partner trade-off questions to evaluate their need for financial reward with their lifestyle aspirations. What is it that they're looking for this company, this business, to do for them? Uh, you tell them what you're looking for the company to do. Uh, they tell you what they're looking for the business to do. And then see if you guys are even closely matched in uh, what you're looking for, for the business to do for you. Now, once the business gets going and the profits start rolling in, how much money do you and or your partner need to be happy? And at what point is an extra week's vacation more important than the next $10,000 in personal compensation? Now, uh, when, when you both look at the books and you see that profit rolling in, now do you uh, want to go head on and say, you know what, I want to work a little bit harder and turn this this uh, profit or turn this $10,000 into twenty or thirty thousand dollars, but your partner is saying, "Hmm, I would prefer to go on vacation." You know, so you got to see. Uh, uh, you, you guys have to be want to be uh, uh, eye to eye on whatever it is that you do, because maybe you may say, "Okay, well, you take half and take your family on vacation. I'm going to take the other half, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to make more profit." Off of this, as long as you two can agree, as long as you can agree, but if there's going to be some type of disagreement, some type of problem, you want to know all of this before uh, you sign any legal paperwork. 
And then number three, you want to look in the parking lot. Look in the parking lot. Compare your potential partner's current spending habits to yours. In particular, get a look at the car he or she drives. A car is the ultimate expression of the image you want to display to the world. If your potential partner is driving a Porsche and you've got a sensible sedan, consider this a reliable bellwether, a a leadership of problems to come. Um, You're both in leadership. You're both leaders, you know, and uh, your partner is more flamboyant, a little more bolder, a little more uh, on the bling side, and you're a little more on the casual side. And your partner wants to spin, 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 and you want to do uh, things on a more uh, quieter or or more casual way. So you've got to see even there. Uh, Your partner's flashy and blingy, but you're more ordinary and more casual, more laid back. So you've got to kind of see how are the two of you going to fit together like a glove and do what needs to be done um, as far as being in partnership. Okay, number two, what are you bringing to the relationship and how do you value it? Number two, what are you bringing to the relationship and how do you value it? A partnership doesn't have to be a marriage of equals, says Mr. Gerber. Sometimes relationships work better when one person is in charge and has a majority stake. I'm sorry. It says here, sometimes relationships work better when one person is in charge or has a majority stake. The key to a successful relationship, then, is that the relative contribution of the partners are clearly established and that everyone agrees on the value of each partner's contribution. What is your contribution? Are you more of the people person? So are you going to handle uh, the customers? Are you not as good uh, on on the business end of it, but as far as the ordering, you know what people want, you know what people need, you don't have to ask a lot of questions because you just go by your gut. You know uh, you've been in this business for several years, but as far as the day-to-day running of the business, you don't know a whole lot about that. But your partner may, your partner may know, you know, doing the banking and as far as getting the loans, as far as um, handling the day-to-day paperwork, uh, all the things that need to be done that you don't know. As you two sit down together and you say, this is my area, this is your area, We're going to learn from each other because you want to know in case your partner is on vacation or in case uh, you're sick, your partner needs to know how to sell and how to be cordial to customers. 
you need to know how to do banking and and all the finances and all of the paperwork, and you need to learn computer technology. You need to know just as much on that business end as your partner needs to know on the selling end. Now, maybe the business can't start without financing, and one partner invests all of the cash. For example, while the others put in sweat equity, maybe it needs a critical customer deal that one partner establishes. Maybe one of the partners invents a brilliant new technology. Maybe the right mix comes from a combination of all the above. So long as expectations are aligned about what each partner will contribute and that the partners truly embrace the priority and value of the contribution each is making. The partnership will have an internal fairness that will translate to a common understanding of ownership, control, economics, economics, and other important issues in the relationship. So in the very beginning, get all of that established. Like I said, you know, it may just be two partners, yourself and another partner, or it might be yourself and five partners. But from the very beginning, get an understanding of how you all want to see the vision of this company or this business. You you know, you want to get a vision of how you want this to go. Don't come up, you know, and say, and once you're in business, well, this isn't what I envisioned. This isn't what I, I was expecting or wanting to do. It all should be done before you move into the area of partnership. Okay, number three, is everyone committed? Is everyone committed? Now, before starting to work together, partners need to address any individual commitments that might interfere with their commitment to this partnership. For example, one partner might want to start the business to maintain a certain work-life balance um, with a limited commitment to the work side. Alternatively, necessity might require less than a full-time commitment if a partner has a responsibility caring for children or extended uh, family. There should also be questions of timing. Now, one of the partners, maybe you don't want to do this full-time. You don't want to be there full-time. You have some other issues, uh, family priorities. Maybe you're still on a job. So maybe your your thing is, you know, I want to be there from 10 to 2. Uh, the other partner may say, well, I want to be there from 2 to 6. And then if there's a third partner, he says, well, you know, uh, I would prefer to work nights because I have a day job. So, I mean, you want to get all of this out 
in the open before you make any total commitments. Because if you don't say what it is that you can offer or the hours or the times that you can be there, once you open up the business and the one person that's going to be there full time is expecting the other partners to be there as well. So you want to... um, you want to make sure that everybody knows uh, what it is exactly that they're supposed to be doing and when they're supposed to be there. It's possible that a partner might make an all-in commitment until the business gets going and then back off on active participation to pursue other business interests. Establishing a strong common understanding, going in about the time, going in about the time and effort each person is willing to commit, and how the partners will handle competing com- commitments and life circumstances down the road will create a sense of fairness and trust that starts the partnership on common ground and also anticipates what will happen in the event that these different circumstances arise. So from the very, very beginning, you know, say, you know, I you know, I really only just want to be here, I want to help get this off the ground. There's another business venture I'm looking at. Uh once we get this off the ground, uh, I want to be able to kind of back away a little bit and pursue this other uh area in my life that I really, really want to do. But this is I want I wanted to help you get this started. I wanted uh, uh, somewhere to invest my money. Uh, so once this has uh, once this is built up and once this is is uh, going in the right direction, I'm going to ask you guys to buy me out or so on and so forth. And you kind of go from there. There should not be any surprises. You should not wait until a year or two and then tell your partners, okay, well I never really intended to stay here all that this amount of time uh, I really want out of this if the partners know in the beginning and you say uh, well this is what I'm going to do and the other partner says well this is what I'm going to do you guys make sure that you commit to that and that you do that and you you, you do it um, in a way that it's going to uh, bring the two of you together and it won't cause any hurt feelings uh, once you guys decide to separate. Okay, number four, is there anything important that has not been discussed? Is there anything important that hasn't been discussed? Above all, transparency and completeness are critical in any relationship. That means it's not uncommon then that a partner talk about formalizing their relationship, that new and potentially problematic issues be brought to light as soon as possible. For example, how would you like to find out that your partner is pregnant and won't be interested or able to work for the first year or so of your new business launch? After you quit your corporate job to start a business with, Your partner, you guys need to discuss everything. 
you know, I'm a newlywed. My husband and I want to have children. So if I uh, do get pregnant in the process of going into this business, I'm uh, once I have the baby, I'm not going to stay on, and you'll have to find someone else. So what you might want to do instead of going into partnership with this person is you might want to find someone single that, you know, has no family ties, that would totally be committed, that their whole life is committed to uh, uh, their job. They they enjoy doing, they have a passion for this type of work. And you may want to find someone like that who you know uh, there's not going to be a lot of, uh, I need this time off, I've got to go to the, my child's school for this, I've got to go to my child's, uh, take my child on doctor's appointment, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. Uh, if you have someone that does not have all of those family commitments or another job or something like that, you, you, you just might want to go out and kind of test the waters and just kind of see who's out there and who's looking for something like you are, and they have exactly everything you need and you're everything that they need to get a business off of the ground. Okay, number five, do you have sufficient funding? Do you have sufficient funding? As in a marriage, the financial aspect of partnership can be stressful. The partner should develop a budget for both the business and their personal needs. You should have a budget for your business, and you should have a budget for at home. Because when you first start off a lot of times, you're not going to make enough money to be able to take care of the business needs and the family. Because this is a business and it is something that you're working towards, you're going to want to put everything that you make back into the business. So where does that leave your family? Well, it's possibly that your spouse might be working, but your spouse still can't carry the load. So you may uh, have to maybe uh, get a loan or you may... um, have to keep working at your full-time job and let your partner uh, run the business during the day and you come in and run the business uh, at night or or on weekends. But there's got to be a budget for both, for the business and for your personal needs. The budget should identify how much is needed to start the business and where that investment is coming from. It also needs to identify what is needed until the business starts generating profits to the owner. Stress on personal foundation, I'm sorry, stress on personal finances is an issue for all entrepreneurs during startup. Going in, the partner should be confident that they are both able to handle the loss of income for a similar duration. Otherwise, their financial needs won't be aligned and their business and their and their interests may differ in how or how long to sustain or conduct the business. 
So you want to make sure that you have to meet all of your needs. You want to have enough to meet all of your needs. You don't want to put your bind. You don't want to put yourself in a bind. You don't want to put the business in a bind. So before you start, you really need to sit down with your spouse, with your children, and say, we may have to give up doing some things right now until the business can turn a profit for us. And so you may need some help. Your spouse, like I said, may need to go back to work. Uh, You maybe cannot quit your job but just do this business part-time, and your partner who does not have a job can do this business full-time. So it just kind of depends on uh, you having enough sufficient funding. Okay, well, number six. How are you going to make decisions? How are you going to make decisions? Essentially, the partners need to decide who decides. You and your partner need to sit down and say, okay, um, you run this part, I run this part, but I make the decisions. I'm more on the managerial side, the management side. I will make the decisions. You say, okay, I'm on the the customer service, the selling side, the product side. I will make the decisions for that side. But you might need someone to to actually step up and say, I will be responsible for every for everything. Many times partners share investments and responsibility equally, and that's good as long as you can come together uh, and agree, and as long as you can agree to decide major issues jointly. You've got to be able to decide jointly. And that does not mean that you're always going to agree, but that you guys can agree to disagree where there won't be any falling out. And you have to come together and decide, okay, if we can't, do it this way, then you've got to come up with another way that the two of you can handle this situation. Other times, a majority or founding partner has the ultimate control over the future of the company. It's your idea, it's your money, but you need someone to come in alongside of you and help you as a partner. They don't have as much Uh, equality in the business as you do because you are more or less the, uh, you're the founding partner. And so you have control over the future of the company, but your other partner can become a junior partner and they reserve the right to, uh, a junior partner reserves the right to veto major decisions such as selling the company or bringing on a new partner. But for the basic overall running of the business, you, the uh, founding partner, would pretty much be in control. But the junior partner does have some say-so, as I said, in um, how things work. Um, 
if you want to bring in a new partner, uh, you know, as far as selling the company, you can't just sell something out from up under your junior partner, nor can you um, bring on somebody new without first sitting down and talking to your um, talking to your junior partner. So whatever works for a particular partnership, the partners need to to get on the same page up front in order to avoid major, major, major confusion and grief, both in the day-to-day operations and over significant transactions. So you want to make sure that in your basic day-to-day situations, that the two of you are agreeing that uh, get together and possibly meet once a week with each other and talk to each other and um, just um, just share, uh, you know, where you see the company is going, see where the business is taking you, and so on and so forth. Number seven, what happens if the partnerships partnerships in. Now I'm going to kind of go through a little quickly on these on these next two so that I can get everything in. Uh, what happens if the partnership ends? Now breaking up is one of those things most people don't want to think about, but it's very important to consider the reasons a partnership might break up. Sometimes a breakup results from a problem, like the partners have a dispute over finances or approach or one of them does something adverse to the business. But often it's simply that the circumstances change. For example, one partner might need to take a job elsewhere. So be ready to pursue another opportunity or retirement, die or become ill and unable to work. Partners need to plan ahead for what might happen if scenarios such as these play out. Will the remaining partner retain ownership of the company? Will there be a buyout of the existing partner? If so, under what terms? Having a realistic exit plan before it is needed and before emotions are, are unanimously, uh, unanimously are running high is very invaluable. Again, deciding to, uh, I'm sorry, again, deciding Early on is the key to having a successful partnership. Let's look at an article called Shotgun Partnership. Is your shotgun partnership about to backfire? This is what a shotgun partnership is. A business partnership prenup is always a good idea, but not all agreements are as fair as they seem. No matter how solid they seem, sometimes partnerships are destined to fail, which is why you should be concerned if your shareholders' agreement includes a shotgun clause. A shotgun clause is a blunt legal agreement between shareholders in a business that allows one partner to put a price on the table for the value of the business and leave it up to the other partner to take the money or match the offer 
in a short period of time, usually 20 or 40 days. Uh, I'm sorry, usually 20 or 40 days, given its speed and simplicity. A shotgun agreement sounds fair, but I have found that it favors the partner with more cash and operating experience. The one that has the most in a shotgun um, partnership comes out with the most. And at any time, it seems like they can tell the other partner, look, I just want to buy you out, but uh, they give you 20 to 40 days to come up with the money, and it's very, very possible that you might not be able to do that. So I'm going to give you um, uh, an illustration of the downside of having a shotgun clause. Uh, To illustrate the downside, let's imagine a hypothetical partnership between Norm and Steve, who agreed to go into the cabinet-making business together. At 56, Norm is a seasoned entrepreneur who has cashed out of two other businesses. His house is paid for and he has $2 million in his investment portfolio. At 31, Steve is just starting out in his professional life. He and his wife of two years are expecting their first child, so they have recently cashed in their investments and put all the money into a $42,000 down payment on their first home. Norm has been making cabinets for friends and family for years before he decided to make it a business and he invited Steve to join as a full 50% owner. Norm explained to Steve that he would have to work hard to learn the business. The simple partnership agreement uh, drafted by Norm's lawyer featured a shotgun clause with a 20-day resolution period should their partnership hit the skids. Given its apparent simplicity and fairness, Steve signed the agreement papering what he thought would be a blissful marriage. The first few years were good with Norm teaching Steve the business and Steve working 16 hours a day to get up to speed. Most days, Norm would slip out early, go to the golf course, leaving Steve toiling away. Now, after After the few years, Steve began to tire of what he saw as Norm's lack of work schedule. Likewise, Norm got frustrated with what he saw as as Steve's lack of appreciation for the opportunity that he had given him. Um. And so they decided that they could not take what was going, what was happening in the business. They decided that they could not take it any longer. At this point, what seemed like a fair deal for everyone has tilted into Norm's favor. Steve has only a few thousand dollars of equity in his home and other assets to speak of. Steve's wife is at home caring for the child. Steve is still learning the business and would have trouble running it without Norm. One of the several reasons Steve would have trouble borrowing money, I'm sorry, one of the several reasons Steve would have trouble borrowing money to keep it. 
Norm knows Steve's situation and can use it to his advantage to attempt to buy the business back at a steep discount. Given their shotgun agreement, uh, it has a 20-day resolution period. Steve has a few short weeks to cobble together some cash or allow all of his equity to be bought for pennies on the hour. A prenup for your business is always a good idea, but I would recommend that you agree to a valuation formula in your shareholders' agreement. Instead of relying on a shotgun clause, if you and your partner have vastly different economic resources. So you want to kind of stay away from something like that, although it seems simple. You want to stay away from something like that that could cause you, maybe you're not the one with all the money and all the know-how. So you may want to stay away from a partner like that, but you want to uh, be with someone that's equal as you, someone who's willing to work like you're willing to work, and you could grow this business together and not someone coming in in the end and buying you out and causing you to lose pretty much everything that you have. And number eight, should you form a legal entity and what should your partnership agreement address? Whether an LLC, which is a limited liability company, owners have a limited where owners have a limited personal liability for debt and actions against their company, or if you are a corporation, which is beyond the scope of this article and should involve getting a experienced attorney involved. Uh, you probably want to get an attorney, an attorney involved to either uh, become a corporation or you want to be called, you want to be a limited liability company. But you want to speak to an attorney about uh, which way you should go in that area. The partner should establish a legal entity as early as possible to give the business a separate identity and protect themselves from personal liability. If a business partnership is like a marriage, at least in some ways, the agreement among the partners is the prenuptial agreement. It should be put in place at the outset of the relationship. A good agreement will cover all of the issues identified above, including the relative authority roles and responsibilities of each partner, the initial contribution to the business and percentage uh, ownership, economic rights relative to the cash, profit, and loss of the venture, government and disputes, exit rights, and buyout obligations, pretty much all of the things that we talked about um, uh, previous, previously. In doing so, the written agreement will embrace the understandings and underlying sense of fairness in the relationship established by the partners when they work through these issues. So you want to make sure that whatever you do, that you uh, uh, do talk to an attorney, that you guys kind of do a, a, a prenuptial thing or an agreement thing where it's going to um, be a blessing uh, to both of you. Well, I do want to um, just share one little scripture with you uh, before I go 
That is my uh, thing that I do. I believe that we can't do anything without God being in our corner. And that scripture is uh, Proverbs 21 and 5. And I'm reading from the God's Word translation. It says, The plans of a hardworking person lead to prosperity, but everyone who is always in a hurry ends up in poverty. You want to you want to plan out your business. You want to make a business plan. You want to uh, uh, do research. You want to find out exactly everything that you need to do before you go into business, after you go into business, and while you're in business. But if you just hurry up and just go do stuff and you don't think about it, you don't pray about it, you don't know a whole lot about the business, uh, the scripture says that you can end up in poverty. Oh, I don't like my job, so I'm just going to quit. Now, some people, you've had a passion to do something for a long time, and that's good. Uh, and you, you, uh, you've, thought of, you've thought this thing through. But some people, you just get angry and you quit your job and you say, you know what, I'm tired, I'm through, and I'm just going to find me something to do. And you've done no research or anything like that. You can cause yourself, it's not to say that you cannot be blessed, but the scripture says that when you just up and do something hurriedly, that you are uh, you would end up in poverty because you're spending money that you really don't have. You're taking money from the household and stuff like that. But the plans of a hardworking person lead to prosperity. But everyone who is always in a hurry ends up in poverty. And that's Proverbs 21 and 5. Now, I pray that you did get something uh, out of this uh, lesson on today. And like I said, you can always go back in uh, once the show is over. You can go back in and uh, you can rehear this uh, uh, lesson all over again. And any other message that uh, I, I have done previously, um, everything that I've ever done on this show is on um, is in my archives. So I would ask that you would just go in and uh, just check out everything I have. If you just have the time to sit and listen and you want to get some good word up under your belt, uh, you need to hear something from the Lord. Like I say, please tune in on uh, Sunday nights at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time and hear our, our broadcast, our weekly broadcast, called A Word from God. Um, I do try to bring fresh word every week, an anointed word, a word that will bring deliverance and victory to your life. Now, before I go, I would like to tell you about a book that I'm uh, uh, working on. Uh, this book is called, uh, well, it's, this book is about secrets, and it's about the mask we wear. Uh, we wear masks to conceal and hide our secrets because we don't want anybody to know uh, who we are, who we really, really are. And this book is to help you uncover and get yourself delivered from harmful secrets that are causing you great pain, great shame, and a lot of guilt. So uh, stay tuned because I I am uh, almost finished with this book. 
and uh, I, I believe that it would be a blessing. You may know some people that are going through some things. You may be going through something yourself. You're just in a lot of pain and you're hurting and you don't know who to go to or who to turn to. And uh, I can let you know one thing. If you can't turn to anybody else, you can always turn to God. And some of you may say, well, you know, I've never prayed before. I've never talked to God. How do I do it? You talk to God just like you would talk to your best friend. And then once you talk to God, if you will sit there and you will listen, you're going to hear him speak to you. You're going to hear something on the inside of you. You're going to hear something, uh, just a little small voice, and you may think that it's you talking, but it's not. It's the Spirit of God talking to you. And believe me and trust me, God does talk to us. If you take the time to sit and listen, he will talk to you. So never be afraid to go to God and talk to him about anything because he truly does love you. And I know you say, well, um, uh, Ms. Hagler, I didn't tune in today to hear a, a gospel message, but any time that you tune into my show, that is what you're going to hear because I love God so much and God has been so good to me. And I want to offer him to you. And I want you to be able to say how good God has been to you. And actually, that is was my message on this past Sunday night. It was called The Goodness of God. I would ask that you would go into the archives and listen to that particular um, message. It's, it will bless your spirit. It will bless you so much. And uh, I just want to say uh, thank you. Uh, for all of you that tune in to my show, uh, both my Wednesday morning show and my Sunday night show, it is always a pleasure to um, just uh, come before you guys and just talk with you and share with you what's on my heart. Well, I pray God's greatest blessings on you today. I thank you for tuning in here uh, on blogtalkradio.com. I am your radio hostess, Rebecca Collier Hagler, saying God bless you. I will see you next week, and have a fabulous, fabulous day.